1: On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will rain. It is our time. stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May
0: 10th. Tickets on sale now. Ready PG 13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. welcome to a special monday jam session i'm juliette Littman. i'm amanda Dobbins. we're
2: here to discuss the oscars amanda are you oscar out a little bit though seemingly less than everyone else uh who just has really shared their opinions throughout the show and immediately after the show and didn't seem to enjoy it very much um Amanda covers us on The Big Picture for real movie
0: analysis and what it means for the movies. We're here to talk about the show and the celebrities, of course. Right. Should we start on some positivity? Do you want to share a personal high? Well,
2: we can start with like a, a broad thing because the show and the celebrities and what they were and or weren't is kind of essential to everything else that we're going to discuss. So obviously, this was a weird year in the world, in the United States, in movies, in the Oscars, you may have noticed that it's late April and we're talking about the Oscars. Usually they happen in February. So that's number one. Obviously, they were delayed a couple months uh, because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the effect that had on everyone, but specifically on movies and movie theaters, which have been closed and not as many movies were released. And so it was a smaller field and um, the show was produced by Steven Soderbergh. It was held live in LA's Union Station, which is a different location, and there were kind of COVID protocols, but they were trying to do a show in COVID, but not, and they were also trying to like honor the last year, but not, and so as a result, it was, it was different in a lot of traditional ways. There were not as many people there, and there were probably not as many, like quote, celebrities there. Uh, as a usual Oscars, both because of like the number of people who are allowed in the venue because of COVID and also because the movies did not all star, you know, Brad Pitt. Right, 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 right. And um, didn't get the usual buildup, obviously. that's
0: I, I realize that's like a huge piece to the Oscars that I miss, which is Oscar season and award season. And I feel like Usually, as the um, nominees, like, build a relationship with each other because they have to do all these events and go to all these lunches, we, the viewers and the celebrity watchers, like, get to be a part of these building relationships. And it was really funny to come into it with sort of, like, no cultural context other than, like, if you've seen the movies and read about them and followed, followed the analysis and discussion on The Ringer. Um, and elsewhere, but primarily The Ringer. Um <laughs> But I I was, like, really aware of that. Because, like, for example, I was like, who is that pixie blonde at the table? And I was, like, just, like, looking at her, and I was like, who is that? I can't remember. And it was Vanessa Kirby. And I was like, I haven't thought... Vanessa Kirby in a really long time. Right. And that's because I didn't have
2: like the whole apparatus to remind me she was part of this Oscar season. Totally. She was in fact nominated for Best Actress. I had no idea. She never had a chance. Best Actress was theoretically like the most open of the Oscar raises. It was like the one where we didn't know for sure who was going to win. And there were like four possibilities. And then there was Vanessa Kirby, which is like very sad because I think that Vanessa Kirby is very good in the film pieces of a woman for which she was nominated, which otherwise I did at the first 20 minutes are uh, very good. And then the rest of it is like not good at all. Uh, Just not good. Um, Yes. Yes. The Oscars were two months later and yet, and felt endless from the perspective of someone who <laughs> covers them. I mean, like, I, you know, no one cares about me and no one should care about me. I'm not looking for anyone to care about me, but I saw several of the Best Picture-nominated films like at Sundance in January of I 2020. I know. I remember.
0: Because right? when, when we were there, um, Promising Young Woman was kind of like
2: the hot movie to see. Right. Except I was like, this is garbage. You don't need to see it. And I... Kind of think I was right, but was also wrong. Uh, you did ultimately need to see it if you cared about the Oscars. So we did a whole episode on the big picture about Promising Young Woman. If you have seen it or liked it or want to explore it, I, I don't. I actually thought that Emerald um, Fennell gave a very lovely speech uh, last night at the Oscars, and she seemed very happy. So, And I'm a huge Caravellion fan, but I don't understand why that character... But anyway, listen I've to that episode. I haven't seen any
0: of these movies. Literally, Well,
2: man. so... So there we go. Like that's, (laughs) you know, and Juliet, you're not alone. And this is, um, this is not coming from a place of like, why didn't you see the movies? Because I, I think in a, in another Oscar year, that's pretty common, right? People have seen one or two of the movies, but they have kind of that whole extra layer of like media coverage and Oscar campaigning and Oscar narratives and like fun bloopers and uh, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt, like kind of looking at each other backstage at the SAG Awards or wherever it was Uh, to hang on to in order to like have some fun with this awards show. And for a number of reasons, including there were no Oscar campaigns this year because people didn't have events um, because of COVID. And you just, you can't ask anyone to care about a Zoom Q and A. You just can't. So there wasn't any of the like extra movie content to care about. And then for whatever reason, despite the fact that literally all of the movies I, I, were available at, in your home at some point for at least a month, um, most people had not seen these films.
0: I I know I I haven't. I will say the one that I do plan to watch is Binari. I'm like mm-hmm. very excited to watch that. I'll probably watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Well,
2: and, and, I, think, and I think that, that, that might be tricky. It. Judas and the Black Messiah is tricky because it was available on HBO Max for a month, and then it's no longer available. And then it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars, and somehow they like didn't make it reavailable to people because of various you know <laughs> I didn't licenses. Even know all of that anyway. <laughs> well, you know, but it's like because <laughs> that's like a whole complicated Hollywood industry thing that like does affect all of this, but isn't really interesting. But it would have been nice if Judas and the Black Messiah were like actually available for people to see, you know, pretty easily. I really like that film. I love Minari. I think Nomadland is actually very good. Um, I, like, and we can. There are some interesting discussions to be had about it and how it portrays its characters. Like, actually, how it approaches this real life story and inserting a fictional character into it. And obviously the Amazon of it all, even though I think it's overblown, you don't, I realize that you don't even like know what I'm talking about because like no one has seen or even like read hot takes about Nomadland, which, which is like the major problem. Right. Here's why I didn't
0: see Nomadland. Yeah. I was like, I spend most of the day home alone at work (laughs) or doing my job. My work is at home. Right. And I'm not looking to spend more time in my home pondering like s- belonging and aloneness. And I, as far as I can tell, that's what Nomad Land is about.
2: yeah, it is. And it's also, you know, about America and right. uh, which capitalism is, which is and a mess right now. <laughs> sure. I like I, and and I found it to be like a completely like, devastating film. Um, I think other people found it to be, like, weirdly uplifting. I, You know, mm. that's a little bit uh, glass half empty, half full. Again, I, like, honestly think it would be an interesting thing to talk with you about, except you'll never see it, and that's okay. Because I do get, at the end of the day, in the pandemic, not wanting to turn on, you know, a a movie that has been described, like, as soon as they use the word lyrical, it's like, uh-oh, danger alert. Like, who yeah, wants no. to turn that on at the end of the day? And a, a little bit. I think that anyone who is even vaguely interested in pop culture for this Oscar season got to feel what, you know, like critics and, and people who like do content for a living feel when having to like watch all these things as homework. And as soon as it feels like homework, you're like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Oh, I have absolutely no joy in it, which again, talk about things that are not problems. And I'm not asking anyone to feel bad about any of us, but I get it because sometimes you're just like, no, I don't actually feel like doing homework after a day where I did my regular work.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. That's, but, that's a lot of it for sure.
2: But so put all that together. And then ask people to watch any three hours award cer- ceremony. And it's just like, it's a lot to ask of the Oscars to make something enjoyable to a lot of people who haven't seen the movies yeah. and who, and the movies, which don't really feature a lot of quote household names in the way that, you know, they did in the nineties or the two thousands or, or frankly last year. I mean, yeah, that's true. No, I mean, listen, they released fewer movies, and I think these are smaller movies in terms of budget, in terms of, quote, star power. I, like, it It was cool in a lot of ways because it's, you know, more Black filmmakers and filmmakers of color, more actors of color, um, more, uh, you know, a woman. Chloe Zhao won Best Director for the second time in Academy Awards history. Amazing. Which, like, I realized as I was going to sleep last night, like, We didn't even be like, yay, a woman on the big picture podcast, which in a way, I'm just like, call me when as many women have won as men have won, like two and however many years is kind of sort of a depressing benchmark. But also, congratulations to Chloe Zhao, and that is a big deal. So there were a lot of interesting things going on, but you had to know a lot to buy in. Right. And I don't really think anyone decided to buy in, it seems. (laughs) Um, do you think that's
0: partially because she's she is an Asian woman? Cause I feel like the last time I can think about like a woman filmmaker being so celebrated was Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. And I just feel like part of that was also like Catherine Bigelow had a narrative that we like all could have fun discussing, which is she dated James Cameron, she like paid her dues, she did this war movie, she, you know, she just had like a lot of sort of like very classical hollywood tropes whereas Mm -hmm. like chloe zhao is so far singular like Mm -hmm. hopefully she won't be going forward but i do feel like part of it is like there's not the same kind of like sensational language around like the great work of chloe zhao and she's just not celebrated women aren't celebrated in that way yet
2: i'm sure that's true i think also it was such a foregone conclusion which is like the other tricky thing about all of this was that for the most part we knew who were going to who was going to win the Oscars if you're paying attention, like in November or December of last year. And again, it's April. And so Nomadland and Chloe Zhao have been just recognized at every award ceremony, at every guild, like across the board. She's been on the cover of magazines. You know, she's making a Marvel movie next. Like this is really, it is just kind of like predetermined to be her moment. And I think she, in the film community, she's like definitely been celebrated And honestly, like last night, she lost a couple of awards that she was supposed to win. I mean, she didn't lose um, Best Cinematography, but Nomadland was expected to win it, and it did not. She was expected to win Adapted Screenplay, and she did not. That was one of the Oscar picks that I got wrong. So I think that there was just kind of some, I don't want to say fatigue, because I think everyone was very excited to see her, but... It was it was expected. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's another problem when you add two months on to the Oscars is that it the the, there's already usually such a lack of drama by the time you get to Oscar night. And there was just no real drama except for the unwanted drama at the end of the evening. Oh, God, 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 God. I want to ask you some
0: questions. Go for it. So this is not the first time that the presenters have like
2: had to do direct address to the nominees. So yeah, let's listen, let's just let's name names. Laura Dern. Everybody wants to talk about Laura Dern. And we all love Laura Dern, but go. She's ahead. not alone. I mean, yeah, Laura <laughs> Dern started it. So that was like our first exposure
0: to this incredible awkwardness. This is not mm-hmm. the first time this has happened. Laura Dern, I think because she went first, is like now gonna be the most associated with it, or mm-hmm. like the most awkward. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, Why was it so much more awkward this time than last time?
2: Well, because they were going for an intimate experience. And like, that's, that's playing with fire. And even as I say the word intimate, I get like a little squirmy. And I say that as someone who actually enjoyed this, but what they decided to do with this show, which was produced again by Steven Soderbergh, who I love, is make it like a clubby for the presenters, for the movie people only, right? And it was the the thought was that you would like actually honor the presenters. And it's like, wow, you got nominated for an Oscar. That's a really exciting thing. We're going to actually like give you some time and make it about you instead of making it about whatever five movies Disney has coming out at the end of the year. And I'm shouting out Disney because the Oscars are broadcast on ABC, which is owned by Disney. And they do often use the Oscars as a way to advertise their upcoming stuff. And... In Instead of it being some, you know, large advertisement for, hey, movies, aren't they great? It was Laura Dern being like, Daniel Kaluuya, like, here's what you taught me about Black Panthers, which, like, yeah, well, that was a choice. And it was definitely, um, there was a lot of dead time. There was a lot of, like... earnest small talk at a cocktail party energy to it. And I would have thought that you, Juliette, who thrives on weird small talk at parties, would really enjoy it. And that I, Amanda Dobbins, who would rather hide under a table than participate in any of that, would not like it. But I did... It didn't seem like anyone was having fun in the room. It just seemed like everyone was trying
0: really hard to be like, this is awesome, it's the Oscars. Yeah. But, like, outside from when the moments when people won... And more, yeah. I think people sort of seem like genuinely happy and, and joyful. I was just like, no one really seems like They're having a great time. And I don't know. It just didn't seem like a fun party. And like watching an unfun party on TV is so uncomfortable. Plus I, I there's just like so much to dig into. I just like, this is my main note. And I was texting you about it. I talked to you about it already. Mm-hmm. I love Soderbergh. I mm-hmm. respect a great tracking shot. I just like that's this is not the place. I, all of these tracking shots, and like these circular tracking shots, made me feel like I was on uh, like a boat and was getting nauseous and I was right. like seasick from watching. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch Mary town now. I'll finish this later.
2: Right. So Soderbergh shot it in widescreen and the framing, I would say, was quite notable because oh my and, God, it was horrible. At no point I liked it. I thought it was like, why not do something interesting? And I think also because we didn't get the traditional reaction shots at the Oscars. What you had to do is you had to use the frame, the weird framing to just, like, look in the background as someone, you know, the shot was on someone, but all of the reaction shots and kind of extra info you needed was in the background well, of the wide shot. Yeah, because he ke- they kept putting the subject on the right or the left, so they weren't right. centered.
0: And so yeah. then you had to, yeah, and I was just like, this well, is not... That's I, I how also, you get some color. I was also like, maybe they have fewer cameras and fewer camera people because mm-hmm. of COVID, so maybe they have to do it this way. But I just, like, I hated it. I was just like, this feels like a a bad Twitter live stream
2: of some kind. I just really did not care for it. I enjoyed it in that it was like something different. And also, you know, maybe it would be a good time to talk about this in comparison to a traditional Oscar show and what people usually expect and want from an Oscar show, which is uh, bad framing and a lot of razzmatazz, right? a lot of songs, a lot of, they want some stand-up comedy. They want people taking selfies and delivering pizza. And I like a, a successful bit as much as the next person, but I would say that the ratio of successful bits to like, you know, awkward comedy routines that fall kind of flat in a traditional Oscars, you know, it it's, the same amount of time spent staring at your screen being like, oh my God, what's happening as last night. It was just like a different way to get to that ratio. I felt like this was trying
0: to be cool. I felt like this was just trying yeah. to go for a cool factor. And I just like, I guess I'm not looking for award shows to be cool. I mean, like, I don't know. The setting was really cool. At Union station. I liked that. It looked really beautiful and it seemed like a nice place to spend time, but I don't know. I was just like, this isn't the time for an experimental Steven Soderbergh project. And I love Steven Soderbergh.
2: Yeah. I mean, he was definitely flexing. I want to ask you about the fonts at the beginning as a person who likes fonts. Um, Loved all the graphics. Great graphic yeah. package. I I think maybe it was trying to be cool, but I think, honestly, maybe, like, the sin, even though I, I was moved by it at times, was, like, it was trying to be earnest. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a pretty um, uncynical emotional show focused on the people there. Mm-hmm. And they they didn't cut anyone off, speeches-wise. And I thought that provided some, like, yes, truly that was nice be- truly beautiful moments. I mean, number one, it allowed Daniel Kaluuya to get to the place where he was thanking his parents for having sex, which was, like, a transcendent moment. But that was, like, minute four of the speech. And that was after you got the reaction phase of him being kind of overwhelmed by winning an Oscar, which is always a nice moment. That was after him talking about his experience playing the role and Fred Hampton and the black Panther party. Like you got some like significant stuff and then he made his way to some great meme stuff. So you wouldn't get all of that without like the extra time and the kind of the shagginess and the sentimentality basically. But you're right that that's not always fun. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a ha-ha funny show very much, for sure. I and thought all of the, I just thought, like all of the bits tanked for me. I was just
0: like, none of these bits are working for me. And I have a really hot take. Yeah. I love The Roots. Questlove, mm-hmm. I think, is probably one of the most living, talent, one of the most talented living musicians.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When I was in high school, I went to like a million Roots shows, had all their albums, loved them. Okay no other DJs in America who could do an event of this kind. I I don't understand. Where's our DJ pipeline? Where's the DJ bench? Why is it only Questlove? And I love Questlove. But like and I think he's probably one of the most like important people in music of all time. One of the probably one of the top important Americans currently living, maybe ever. But like why is no one else ever DJing a Hollywood event? I literally like I do not get it.
2: I think in this particular case, he was DJing because then he was able to present the trailer for his upcoming di- directorial debut, "Summer of Soul," which um, is a fantastic documentary that I saw at Sundance that I like. I recommend. And so, the, and like he really did like stare into camera at one point and be like, "Here is the trailer for my movie," and I have to assume that 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 was like part of the terms. Uh, in which Questlove agreed to be at the Oscars, and I was just like happy for Questlove to get to present his trailer, you know. So it, sure. it was okay with me. I think there's, a, I think
0: there's other ways to present a trailer. I'm just saying, there's where are the DJs? Where sure. are the other talented musicians? What, I mean, I don't know. There obviously are out there. I I thought, um, I thought, <laughs> just, as I was watching, I was just like, Questlove has been doing all of these for
2: so many years. There's got to be someone else who we should try out in this experimental Oscars. Yeah, again, you mentioned introducing trailers. There's one of three trailers that were introduced. The other uh, were more traditional uh, um, introductions of In the Heights uh, with Lin-Manuel Miranda just like randomly in a theater doing a little Zoom thing. And then um, Ariana DeBose uh, introducing uh, the West Side Story trailer. Uh, I will just say that Questlove's introduction was my favorite of the three. (laughs) And I will leave it at that. (laughs) I'm so excited for In the the Heights. I was like, I've just been
0: pondering, like, what is the ideal experience for seeing this film? Like, I am like, should I try to go to a screening? Do I wait for like my perfect companion who also is obsessed with this movie to see it with me? Like, I'm so excited. So that was my favorite of the three. I didn't watch any of the pre-show. Um... (laughs) I heard there was performances. Ariana is was is a musical theater actress who's um in West Side Story, among mm-hmm. other things. She's was also in Hamilton.
2: Um, Can I just say that her Wikipedia page includes the incredible second sentence? She premiered the role of the Bullet in Hamilton. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, um,
0: big role. Okay. <laughs> I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. One of the <laughs> iconic lines from the from the musical, which she's a part of. Okay. <laughs> um. What was it like? What was the purpose of the pre-show?
2: So they moved all the original song performances out of the main show and to the pre-show. And as someone who absolutely loathes both the original song category and the original song performances at the Oscars, I was thrilled by this. Um, I just they they always just grind to a halt and are uh ridiculous and they do serve the function that maybe you were missing of like, oh my god, it's Lady Gaga at the Oscars, or oh my god, it's you know Adele at the Oscars. Um and I loved it when Adele sang Skyfall at the Oscars. And oh, I yeah, liked And and I think we all liked it when Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga were like, um uh, you know, doing their quote performance. Sure. Um but it does get like star power and is also sort of accessible. You don't have to have seen the movies in order to, quote, enjoy the song performance, primarily because the songs never have anything to do with the movies themselves. They're just tacked onto the credits. But any case, these were moved. They were pre-taped mostly on the the roof of the new uh, Academy Museum, which honestly, it seems like a great view. Remember last year, they spent like a long time like talking it up. Well, they did again this year because, Juliet, it's not yet open. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was delayed by COVID. Um, so and that was interspersed with instead of a traditional red carpet, they did kind of like um, a pre-party in a lounge area right next to Union Station. And they interviewed nominees um, in a red carpet style, but with like a little more with more, like, ambiance of people lounging around on um, on Roche-Bobois cushions, which I just noticed because I, they're very recognizable. <laughs> I thought the flowers at the lounge uh, were very nice. I have to say that the pre-show uh, experience was my worst viewing experience of lockdown. Um, I hated it so <laughs> much. that and, and that, like, honestly, it maybe influenced my experience of the show itself because it was so like hyper hyper theater energy isn't it amazing that we're here at the oscars that super like broadcastery like substanceless, just jabbering type interview for you know plus like performances of songs that are not my type of music for 90 minutes that i was like oh my god anything with this anything but this please and the show was obviously like quite different i thought i think they got all of their like kind of promo hollywood's biggest night out in the pre-show and maybe maybe it should have been a balance of the two when it comes to it but i i honestly just had to mute the pre-show at some point i i couldn't physically be in the same room with it making noise it was just not for me um, damn and ouch. it well People felt that way about the actual show. So to each yeah, their me, own. Me too. I mean, I, I like was
0: catching up and I was just like, I can't watch a lot of this. Also, it was just it was boring. I just miss celebrities like looking like they're having fun. That's the main thing.
2: Right. And, you know, I think in some ways they weren't having fun because it was, that. Th- that's the other thing. Soderbergh is on record as being like the Oscars actually aren't fun. When you go right. to them, it's not fun. It's really, it's like a, it's a TV production. It's not a fun ceremony. It's really awkward. And everything is staged. And so I think he was trying to just, like, do something for the actual nominees. But you're right that it wasn't produced. And then I I think also it just, it was not meant for, like, millions of people around the world who haven't seen the movies. And yeah. that was, like maybe a mistake. I, as someone who had like seen the movies and had to watch this the whole time, was kind of like, oh, this is interesting. But, you know, it wasn't a mass pop cultural event in the way that the Oscars are always are. And in some ways that to me is like an accurate reading of the pop culture landscape and it's like very Soderberghian to be like five years ahead of the fact that there's just no mainstream anymore. There's like nothing where the entire world watches the same things and wants the same things but also like probably too soon to provide you know the the version of that for just I don't know 800,000 people who had watched all the movies I think more than 800,000 people watched the Oscars but I would guess like maybe 800,000 people have seen all the best picture movies, right if yeah. I had to guess
0: I just thought I just thought yeah I think you made a good point like he didn't this wasn't like a, a celebrity spectacle for like just like a like a a wide audience. This is like yeah. for people who like really care about like filmmaking because Steven Soderbergh really cares about filmmaking and has been lamenting the fact that people don't care about it anymore. Right. For years. But I was just like, this is, I, I found it honestly just like so disappointing. I don't know. I just love an award show and like I just, co- COVID has ruined so many things. Mm-hmm. Most notably, you know, I mean, whatever. It's just, it's just really killed the award show. Should have just given out awards in a small ceremony. Guess you can't do that. You can't go with the ad- I mean, advertising
2: dollars. They kind of did. Like, that's the thing. That's what they did. They just televised it. And yeah. it and it wasn't the Oscars. And there is a little bit of meeting the moment versus having to meet the advertising budget, as you just said. And like, you know, once again, the the contrast between the, the pre-show and you know the multiple ABC and Disney stars promoting their projects. And like frankly like the the cadillac sponsorship shows that and you went from like this very like quiet emotional show to just like being like and now cadillac which it 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 was a mismatch of what we typically expect from the oscars and like what was actually happening but you know i it was also it's been a mismatch of a year i guess yeah 100% um any outfits you particularly liked angela bassett Oh yeah, she looked great. I thought that it was a pretty down year for the Oscars red carpet, for, for Oscars fashion as well. Especially the w- the women, I just thought like the palettes themselves. Everyone looked really washed out. Um, not everyone, but many people. I um I thought that like everything with the show
0: peaked with Regina King, which was the very beginning yes. of the show. Yeah, she looked amazing. I loved her haircut. I loved the, like the architecture of her dress. Yeah. She handled nearly falling really wonderfully. Yeah, She she was like an absolute apex for me. And yeah, I mean, Angela Bassett's sleeves were incredible. She looks great. Um, but I, I just thought that also like people were nervous to like overdo it, right? Because they're just like, this is the COVID Oscars. Right. Yes. It's hard and- to like have like a dramatic dress.
2: I, I kind of thought even the people – a lot of people did go for a dramatic dress, but they were in – and it's not that I disliked any of them, but it was a lot of, like, pastels or kind of just colors that didn't suit people. I thought Zendaya looked great. Yeah, I she, agree with you. She always I, he, does. I thought Amanda Seyfried looked great. Again, I, I'm just, like, apparently drawn to the the bright the bright reds. That's also what Angela Bassett was wearing. Should we talk about Reese? Uh, yeah, she – what to be honest, belt? the belt, it's just the belt. What was that? I don't know. It's sometimes you needed to find waste at a certain age. Like I'm not going to begrudge Reese that. Like, I think you can build that into the dress. Well, maybe they didn't have time. I don't know. Um, it's not the, it's, it's not my favorite Reese, but it's not, I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been okay. watching a little, um, you know, Trini Woodall. Hmm. The British, kind of the original What Not To Wear. I kind of have stumbled onto her. She has a major Instagram presence. I mean, she, like everybody else, has like a beauty line, apparently. Um, But also spends like a lot of time on Instagram. And I've been watching them because she does some outfit videos that are... I just... I think that they're they're very good. They're like What Not To Wear boiled down and just very soothing, right? Cool. I should watch that too. Well, she did one recently about... The belt that comes with a dress, Mm. you know, you know, when you buy like a fabric, like you buy a dress and then there's like that pathetic fabric belt. And she was just like, throw this away. Yeah, I very frequently cut it off. Yeah, like the belt that is in the same fabric that comes with the dress does nothing. Is it's a disservice to everyone. And especially after a certain point in your life, like that the outside belt is gonna add so much more definition. And it's gonna make such a difference in the dress. So just get rid of the belt. And I thought that was great advice. And so maybe Reese Witherspoon was also just on that train. And I like I respect it. Um, I thought Olivia Coleman, also in
0: red, looked nice. I mean, she looks great. Mm-hmm. One thing I was thinking about is just the crown diaspora. So many people have been on the crown who are just crushing it right now. It's true. It's kind of crazy. I, I thought Game of Thrones would be like the kind of the the central hub of where all these people came. But no, it's the crown. They're just absolutely these these British actors. Um, I thought Daniel Kalua looked amazing that I don't yeah. usually like a double breasted jacket or uh, blazer, but he looked his tailoring was like impeccable and he just looked so great. I loved it. He just
2: also he was bringing all of the energy. He seemed like very thrilled to actually win an Oscar. And I, I just think that That was one of the real highlights because he is a generational talent, in my opinion. And it's, like, great. And I thought that he was fantastic in Judas and the Black Messiah, which I recommend for a number of reasons, including his performance. But it's just, like, really nice to see someone actually, like, get the Oscar at a young age when they deserve it and to, like, be psyched about it. And he... Clearly was all of those things, and then just had a great time. And he was definitely the all star of the Oscars. So. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Him and Regina King were were my yes, were co MVPs.
0: They were yeah. phenomenal. Just really wonderful. Um, and I also was like, this seems like a great time in Union Station. Like, good idea for a party. And I, but I was just like, just, but like a party. I didn't need to see it. <laughs>
2: I liked the kind of
0: cocktail vibe
2: of the setup sure. and the yeah, tables. You good. know, it was like a little more. Golden Globesy, Yes, for sure. Um, just in terms of like people at tables and it, but but you, I guess, weren't allowed to get up because of COVID, which is like another tricky thing. But it just looked nice. It reminded me of like when we all used to be able to go to like cocktail bars or just bars and sit in booths and it have have it be a little bit fancy for a couple of hours. I agree. I liked it, and I and I and I thought it looked like great in the the space of uh, uh, the large room you know like the set the, the set design and the production was obviously done with care it looked good it yeah. maybe was like a little static for 3 hours except for when the camera was moving around and um making juliet dizzy but <laughs> it like you know they used what they had um should we talk about the Brad Pitt moment
0: sure i mean first of all hello brad pitt it seemed like a lot maybe this is just me projecting um but I was like, are we, and obviously, um, yeah, obviously Yu Yoo Jung Yoon was like excited to see him and just threw us all a bone by having a little bit of fun up there. But I was like, yes, Brad Pitt, I'm so happy to see you. Just felt like some normalcy in this, in these, in these Oscars, which is my own bias. I, I recognize that, but um, I don't
2: know. I was just excited. I don't love the bun. I have to say. I, I thought didn't, that it, I find it. it. It's not that I minded it. I mean, it's Brad Pitt. Who am I to tell Brad Pitt what to do? But it did feel a little... It felt like less like a choice and more yeah. like a lack of styling, if if that makes any sense. Sure. And I'm good for unkempt as a choice. I'm good for, you know, intentionality in a man bun, but I don't know if it was there. But I I was glad to see him. Yee-Jung Yoon is a great example of someone who has just all of her speeches have been completely delightful. And if we'd had a full Oscar season with kind of with more access to her, I think like, I mean, she was wonderful in Minari and I really enjoyed that speech, but I I think like that's a loss that we didn't get to just like watch her pull antics like that for not even antics, but to be funny and to be a presence and get to know her a bit over the course of an award season. And
0: I really did miss that, like just having yeah. fun with the, all the nominees. Um, I thought the I thought the best award speech was um, when Marini's Black Bottom won for makeup and hairstyling for mm-hmm. Sergio Lopez Rivera, Mia and Neil and Jameika Wilson. I mean, just an incredible speech. And... Um, also, they all looked great. They were all wearing great outfits. I, yeah. That was just like, that was such a highlight. I also think that highlight was like in the
2: first hour. So I was like, where's the joy like this? <laughs> sure. I, I My favorite speech was uh, Thomas Vinterberg's speech. He won um, Best International Feature for mm-hmm. Another Round, which is a film that I really recommend if you haven't seen it. And um, uh, Thomas Vinterberg it's, uh, lost uh, his daughter, I believe, within the first week of filming Another Round. And the film is dedicated to her. And... The Oscar speech was dedicated to her and it was like, it was very emotional. It was, that was it wasn't like funny. It was like, I was in tears, but I, it was really lovely. And that was also in the first hour, but you know, I like, I understand if you haven't seen another round and you're turning on the Oscars for like Hollywood's biggest night and you get like, you know, a very emotional at times difficult, but in a beautiful way, speech instead. It's kind of like, okay, well, this is this is different. This is not what we get every year. And I understand being a little unmoored by it, even though I thought all of those moments were really special.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. There's just like we're like we've been saying, there's been no context for like either the highs and the lows, the emotion and and the humor and Really missing it. You know, I have a a whole new um, respect for the celebrity industrial complex that I so take for granted, apparently. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem.
1: Help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
2: So do you want to just back to old school? Like, Sure. You want... Oh, or you're
0: asking if I want to go
2: back to that. Um, I thought like, you were, Let me ask you some questions. some Some sure. like, kind of like hackneyed film Twitter talking points right now. Okay. Okay. Did you miss a host? A little bit. I okay. was just sort of like, what's going on here? Like, where are we okay. going next?
0: What's up? Who's like... Got it. I did. I, but like, I think my ideal host would be like someone really irreverent. But but a host. Someone who's like trained at being an irreverent host.
2: Okay. So you... So you... Was it because you wanted context or you wanted the jokes? I wanted a guide. Okay. Okay. I find that I don't miss a host at all, but I think I'm really on an island on that. But I think it's just because I find it so often being like bad stand-up comedy, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't like stand-up comedy at all. Did you miss the Oscars clips? No, didn't miss okay. the clips. Great. Me either. But that's like a really common one, especially Forgot in they terms existed. of like... existed. Yeah, in terms of like context, right? You know, and it's like, I haven't seen the movies, so I need you to play like three minutes of the film so I can understand. But you you didn't care about that. No. Okay. Did you miss the montages? No. Okay. Did you feel like the in memoriam was too fast? I,
0: yes. I noticed a couple times where I was like, oh, they must have had to add that in late and it had another knockdown effect. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was really great to have Stevie Wonder though. So great song choice. I agree um, with that as well. I thought it was a good In Memoriam. Um, I have been watching a lot of Arrested Development, so I'm part of the chorus of people who are mad about Jessica Walter. And I also think Naya Rivera is really important to a, a big part of people like who like love celebrities, so I thought that was a, a weird snub. Okay.
2: Do you, in general, set a lot of store by the In Memoriam segment? No, not at all. Okay. I was me, curious who was yeah, going to be either. second
0: to last, though. I was like, obviously... Chadwick Boseman will be in the final spot. And I was curious who who would be second
2: last. How did you feel about the decision to announce Best Picture two awards before the end, as opposed to its traditional slot at the end of the show?
0: Um, I was okay with that. I thought Best Director coming so early was horrible. Okay. Tell me more. I'm just like, this is one of the most important awards. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, to build a crescendo of, like, of, of sort of like, where is this night going to create drama? And even if everyone knew that Nomad, Chloe Zhao would be winning that for Nomadland, like almost robs her of the drama of like working up to it or whoever, whomever the winner was going to be. And I was just like, okay, well, why should I keep watching? This is one of like the four biggest awards. Why are you doing this now?
2: And so you are thinking that like simultaneous of why should I just keep watching? That's a, is that a recurring theme to you while during the Oscars? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm just interested. I'm asking you, you know, this is like a good sample. I'd love to be interviewed. It's great. Um, did you have any sense of the drama around best actress and who would win or who might not win? Only because I work with you and Sean. Okay. All right. So you were just kind of like, okay, it's Frances McDormand again. Yeah. Um, Where are you on Francis McDormand's acceptance speeches generally? Um, I thought this
0: one was completely nonsensical. And (laughs) I was just like, the,
2: the, the one about, Oh, the sword. Right. And how I love to work. Yeah,
0: sure. I thought the movie, the movie theater bit I thought was sweet. I thought Mm -hmm. that was nice to advocate for movies. I -hmm. loved seeing, um, Ethan Cohen. That's her husband, right? Joel. Joel Cohen being completely just like dejected and not dispassionate. passionate. <laughs> How that was incredible. Um, I like love so many of the movies Frances McDormand is in. I mean, like mm-hmm. Fargo and almost famous are two of my favorite movies. And I just think she's obviously an incredibly talented actress and it's really hard to maintain a career for as long as she had. So like, that mm-hmm. unto itself is a feat. But like, I don't, not interested in her as her as a person. She's like definitely too much for me.
2: I mean, she's, she's a true actor. Yeah. Um, but, and also by the way, she has three best Actress wins at this point, which is uh, I, she's tied with Catherine Hepburn. I think Catherine Hepburn has four, but that's, uh, that's a lot. Not even yeah. Meryl Streep has that. Um, Meryl Streep has one in supporting. Um, do sh- you want to talk about the ending? Did you sure. watch the ending? Did I you? Did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, had, I had heard, about, but I hadn't heard about what happened by the time
0: I right. watched it. Right. Um, so did
2: you do anything to like prepare yourself emotionally for the awkwardness knowing what was coming?
0: You know, I just felt really sad. I just felt sad because Chadwick Boseman means so much to a lot of people, and I was bummed out that his Chadwick Boseman's family and his fans weren't able to del- to sort of like feel community in this like final celebratory moment. And I thought that was really sad, and also really spoke very loudly about like how much you people have to like push through change because at the end of the day you often might you often won't get it and like the sort of like traditional values will hold on for longer than you might want them to. So it felt it felt like a really big metaphor and also a lot of sadness to me. But I I was probably reading a lot into it given like 12 hours to think about how this happened.
2: Yeah. And I think also just the decision to make it the last award as soon as they announced that best picture was kind of third to last instead of last, I was like, Oh, I see what they're doing here. They're going to do best actor last and it'll be a tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Um, and, and, uh, you know, a- allowing his family to have that moment as the closing of the show. And that's like, and that would be, I thought of a piece with the show and with the year. And obviously when that didn't happen and it, but it was in that prime last moment. And then it was like, the show is over that, kind of made the Anthony Hopkins victory even more jarring and I think you know disappointing to a lot of people though I I I will just say I like I wanted Chadwick Boseman to win and I thought he was wonderful in Ma Rainey's black bottom and I also think as you said just like a tribute to his to his career and what he meant to fans um, and 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 to his family like I've i very much wanted that I do also think Anthony Hopkins was like extraordinary in the father. Like he just he was very good, and I (sighs) I think it's bizarre to
0: remove Best Picture from being last because I everything I've heard and everything all indications Mm -hmm. point to movies being like big collaborative efforts, and a lot of the most touching speeches were about that collaboration. Mm -hmm. So to end on the two two primary acting awards, I thought was like a disservice sort of like unfair to everyone that works on movies. And I feel like some, in some ways, producers are like overrepresented in the Oscars, like, you know, cause they get to go on stage to win. But they have to go on stage when they, when they get these wins. But I do think that like for a movie to win best picture, everyone who was a part of that movie can like celebrate it and be like, I was a part of that. And I thought, I thought that was just kind of strange. And I understand sort of setting it up for the Chadwick Boseman moment. And that would have been really meaningful, but just in like the grander scale scheme of like what that says about what you're supposed to
2: celebrate sort of, I I thought sort of sucked. Yeah. I think the other decision was just that nomad land was such a foregone conclusion. Mm -hmm. Like in September, we basically knew that Nomadland was going to win best picture. And so you can imagine the other thing where it's like, and Nomadland and everyone just like turns off the TV and is equally bored and like doesn't care. Yeah. So I I, like I sort of understood it from a vague, I don't even want to say tension, but kind of what's going to happen decision. Um, But I I don't think that the choice worked out in the way that they wanted, which is just such a shame. It was it was so anticlimactic. Um, And, you know, Anthony Hopkins was not even at the Oscars, which He's 83 years old. And if you follow Anthony Hopkins on Instagram, which I actually recommend that you do, it's very delightful. He's been very forthright about the fact that he was just like, he got vaccinated. He's in Wales, which is his uh, where he's from. Like, he has just been very up on the fact that he was not going to the Oscars. But I mean, he did post like a video this morning thanking everyone and um, paying special respect to Chadwick Boseman. But like, it just. It was once again very clear that this was just not how it was supposed, not how anyone wanted <laughs> it to go, um, which in a not way, that I guess, is, up. which is it fitting for, yeah. for the awards show for the year for uh, for movies, I guess it's like this is not how people want movies to go right now in general. And I say that as someone who really liked a lot of the movies that were nominated this year, but it's, it's tough times. Um it really is. But I just don't know what I mean, I guess I guess you do more skits at the Oscars.
0: I think you have to create ambiance, which you know has to be a post-COVID world where people feel right. comfortable and being near yeah, each other, yeah. having their masks off, and can not be worried. Even if right. you're comfortable and even if you're like I'm vaccinated, I'm fine. Th- we're out of practice of being in big group events. So absolutely. So you need to create ambiance with people being in a packed room and being comfortable with it. I think you need to um, create a language used very loosely that like a lot of people can relate to. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're all, part, you're all part of this together. And I think that you need to no longer do direct address in introducing <laughs> 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 yeah. these contestants. I will say, Joaquin Phoenix just seems like a world-class narcissist.
2: And <laughs> that's, that's not what I thought that you were going to say. I, I mean, talk about people who are just uncomfortable who yeah. like, don't want to be in that situation. You know, that was, that's always the case. I was going to say, Joaquin I liked Phoenix. what he had to say. He was like, I have nothing to say about that.
0: So here's what I have to say. I, I enjoyed that. And that's the kind of awkwardness. I just really love. It also was short. Like a lot of the directed address and a lot of the bits of the show were also long. I was just like, we don't need more than 30 seconds. I don't want like all of these fun facts would be a lot better as lower thirds, not spoken. Like, you know, like there's a way, like, I, I think my idea would have been basically like the pop-up video version of this show where you get all the same information, but it's presented through graphics instead of like awkward voiceover and Laura Dern.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that would have been a less earnest, uh, version of it, which in a lot of ways probably would have made us more uncomfortable. I mean, this was like a uniquely poorly timed ceremony. It was like uniquely poorly, poorly timed within the context of like the, the Oscars and the movie year. And just like these movies have been out forever and we've been talking about them forever and still no one cares. I think it was like in some ways, better timed in terms of the world and COVID. And in some ways, like uniquely poorly timed in terms of people's energy and people's like remembering how to to be people and to like things as you said it's like no one remembers how to be in public no no one remembers how to be social let alone like be fun on an awards show you know that's like social skills and that's both um like a, a a mode that like everyone is out of practice on and also still feels a little untimely given how everything's going in the world cuz in the united states things are getting slightly better but that's not true worldwide and you can like still feel the shadow of everything so a lot of people just like not knowing what to do and like what to telegraph and so that's tough and i th- i think you're right that there was just there were no stakes beyond this person gets an award and this person doesn't and the oscars and kind of the like media economy around the oscars usually gives people like something more to hold on to and Mm -hmm. it just didn't this year in any way like not in terms of famous people not in terms of you know, memes, like it was just like, there's no, I mean, truly sometimes it's just like, Oh, that person from the, the thing that the clip that I watched on YouTube, I guess I'll be for that person, you know? And there was very little of that. Um, but you know, it's not like, it's not like people are like really psyched to have I don't know. I don't think movies are the number one thing that people are going to be excited about in post-COVID. I mean, the box office has been getting better, but I don't know if we can just like totally revert back to pre-COVID all the movie stars like doing the can-can on the stage together, you know? Maybe. That would be funny, actually, if they did the can-can. Should they just like do a full musical at the Oscars?
0: I do think they need to channel the like Billy Crystal type of Oscar show for the next yeah. one. Something that's like campy and over the top, but everyone's on the same page about that. And it's also like someone's hosting that is generally, genuinely and universally liked.
2: Well, that's the, the thing, right? Can anyone be on the same page about well, these I things just anymore? Say, just
0: like last week. And as you and Sean discuss, all roads lead back to The Rock. The, I'd like The Rock to host the next Oscars.
2: yeah. I mean, I think he would be pretty good, except then he uses it for, like, as a presidential campaign, and then, like, suddenly I'm not on the same page anymore, What you about know? the cast
0: of the Fast, of Fast and the Furious? Or, like, what if it was The Rock and Vin Diesel, and they had to, like, fight out who got to be, <laughs> like, be more dominant in hosting the show? I don't know. Just some ideas, you know? Just let's bring it, or, like, what if they also, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, like, other people who would be down for a lot of, like, sort of bits that might seem beneath them, but like, because of their stature, like we, we just need them to, to do it. I don't know. But that, I think a Billy Crystal type show is sort of where I would like them to go, which is like really over the top and it's like ridiculousness for an award show. And we're all on the same page about that.
2: Yeah. I just, I, it's so hard to get everyone on the same page. That's like the, that's the thing, you know, it's like there can be a Billy because there's no Billy Crystal type figure except for, I guess the rock. But then The Rock is going to run for president, and so it immediately becomes about politics again, and then everyone's just, like, very angry. Like, it is – it's sort of an increasingly – it's a tricky one to solve as everything kind of gets fragmented. Um, I'm just thinking of of Avengers that could host the Oscars. That seems like it could also be a solution. (laughs) Like – I don't know. I mean, know, they like, probably just should have them What all. if Robert Downey
0: Jr. hosted But as I think Tony Stark?
2: But he retired. Back, to, li- back like, to life. Like, no spoilers for a movie I, that I, I barely heard. remember that came out three years ago, but, like, that guy's dead. And, like, maybe they'll bring him back to life because they often do. I think also, I don't know whether... Well, I don't know who's Captain America now because I haven't watched Me *Falcon neither. and the Winter Soldier*. But and you know, it's like one of those things where like different people can take on the mantle of Captain yeah. America. I believe yeah. so. Maybe all the Captain Americas could host it. But like, I'll just be real. I'd be salty throughout that entire awards show. I'd be like, I don't like Paul this. Bettany. The Vision? No one knows who Paul Bettany is, Julia. Huh? Like 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 even people who watched WandaVision and like talked a lot about their and grief saw online, the film Wimbledon, like, don't know who Paul <laughs> Bettany is. Like they don't want Paul Bettany to host the Oscars. They want Vision to host the Oscars. But I also think he's dead, right? Because they cut the thing out of his forehead.
0: I think it's unclear at the end of WandaVision what happens to the Vision. Okay.
2: Great. (laughs) That's great. That's because what we need is just like never ending. You know, that's, that's the kind of confusion that we need at the Oscars. I don't know how to fix the Oscars. I like, I, I don't, I I, kind of just hope that this year is an exception, right? That it was just like a very weird year and very weird timing. And to the extent that we can at least go back to like a normal schedule and people in the same room and like Slight more production that that solves a lot of the issues, but I thought Emmanuel Acho did a great job for The Bachelor, so maybe we should call it Emmanuel Acho.
0: <laughs> well, <that's> not...
2: <laughs> just throwing it out there. I know, but I was I was thinking a little bit about that as someone who doesn't watch The Bachelor, but who like reads things about it, and then when something big happens in the world, I actually I didn't even watch the after the The Bachelor special. I watched some clips and I listened to your podcast with Wesley, which I thought was excellent, by the way. Thanks. Um, but it is really interesting because that's kind of, that's like where all culture is going, right? Where it's like, there is a thing that has a, a dedicated group of, of fans and viewers and experts. And every once in a while, there's like a larger storyline that people dip in and out of. And... Otherwise, it just kind of keeps turning. And by the way, that's like a pretty callous way to explain um, the last season of The Bachelor and particularly wow. Matt James's experience. And I hope he's well, um, because it seemed like that there was a lot going on there. But but you know what I mean in terms of like people weren't paying attention to this and then or not everyone was. And it becomes like, like everywhere for a second. And then everyone's attention moves on. And I kind of think like the, that's the landscape in which the Oscars is competing now. But it's tough because the Oscars historically have been a thing where everyone was allegedly paying attention the whole time, and it was for everybody, and I just don't think that's realistic anymore.
0: Yeah. I think Emmanuel Acho may may be my best suggestion. I need to think about it. (laughs) Okay.
2: Maybe Rachel and Van. Rachel and Van would be good. Van was an Oscar, so. That's true. I, I love Rachel so much, but it's like a bit on higher learning that she doesn't movies aren't her preferred form of culture. Isn't that correct? No,
0: it's yeah. no. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. um, I don't know. We'll keep thinking. This is a fun, this is a fun thought exercise. Okay. What if you hosted the Oscars? Oh my God, no way. But thanks for the <laughs> offer. Um, t- This is like really unrelated, but I just like, I want to talk to you about Evan Peters next week. Um, okay. Evan Peters showed, showed up. On Mayor of East Town last night. Right. I heard that was happening. I haven't I did watched Mar- Town yet. I had no idea that he was coming. And I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, Evan Peters. And um, I feel like there's just a really weird Evan Peters trajectory happening. And I would like to discuss it.
2: So perhaps we can do that next week. Sure. Can I be really honest with you? Sure. I couldn't pick pe- pick Evan Peters out of a lineup.
0: Well, I was like, who is that? He looks really familiar. And then I was like, oh, it's Evan Peters. And I was like, you know, he's been through, him and Emma Roberts had a really tumultuous relationship and then he was in Star and Star Trek, or and he was in X-Men and then he was in WandaVision and now he's on this HBO prestige show with Kate Winslet. And I just like, this is interesting and I wanted to discuss it.
2: I think Evan Peters is a name that I've read in like, tabloid headlines in my RSS feed for, like, three to four years. Longer, Amanda. It's, it's just, like, he's been around And a, I've just never lurking. clicked through to even look at what a photograph, like, looks like in those pieces to go with his name. Um, I Again, and that's that's pop culture now, I guess. Like, it is pretty weird that I could know who that person is and just, like, also not at all. Yeah. If you want a real downer, but you're just looking for
0: for good television okay. watch the
2: Mar- <laughs> Beast Mar- <laughs> town it's really good i i liked the first episode i'm a little concerned that it's too much of a downer for me it
0: doesn't get better in episode 2 yeah, nonetheless no, I know.
2: check it out <laughs> okay um thanks so much for
0: listening thank you to erica cervantes for producing this episode we will be back next week on tuesdays as per usual